Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Hey, we're back. It's Barrett and Nathan, and it's the future belongs to creators. Do, 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 do. I'm just saying that like singing came up in more than one email about Did. the show. And so I'm giving the people what they want. <laughs> that That's important. You know, the people want, want singing and dancing. The team even brought up on a, on a call yesterday that they really appreciated the dancing. So exactly. Yeah. So here we are. It is episode 97 Q&A Friday, the last Q&A Friday of 2020, the last Q&A Friday with you and I as the primary host of the show. And we're going to call this actually just the last show with us as the primary host. And then it's going to roll over in the new year. We had said Monday previously, and then we already got some emails and people are here. And so we're just, we're going to do it here today. This, yeah. this is it. Sounds good. Nathan Barry, stop late me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, quick note on that. We have heard from a lot of different listeners about how they, since listening to the show, use red, yellow, green uh, in their classrooms, with their coworkers, with their family. And that's just, that's my favorite thing. It's such a simple little tool. And I love that it has started to spread. Um, I am green today. I just wrapped up watching the ConvertKit creator session with Johnny Swim. Big fan of their work. They are, they're just both such talented singers and then songwriters as well. And uh, they've got these scrappy vibes. It's like the scrappy musicians who then made it. And I just, I love it. So that was really fun. Yeah, it's a sunny day. It's freezing cold outside. Absolutely freezing, but it's sunny and that makes up for it. So I'm green, ready to dive in. How are you? Um, let's see. I'm green. Yeah. I had to think about it for a second. You know, I am green Glad we as, could the, check there. as the leaves on my fiddle leaf fig right over here. Yeah. I'm just looking forward to, um, to the holiday. I will, I'll kind of like tell on myself, I suppose my parents, we haven't seen them since February, which means they haven't seen their grandson since he was basically non-sentient and now he's walking and other things like that. Uh, my parents are coming to town tonight That's they're going exciting. to stay in an airbnb for five days and then and they quarantine for two weeks ahead of time and then they're going to get tested and then we will be able to hang out with them so i feel like we're we're balancing it i think i, th I think that's a good way to go i will get to see my my parents which is nice you know we we well you might not know my in-laws live with us and so we can see them every day which is wonderful it's like a beautiful way to live it feels very much like kind of how families i think were meant to be from a evolutionary standpoint, which is nice. So I'm looking forward to the holidays. Uh, got a couple more work days next week just to kind of clean things up. I sent my sixth, or I'm about to send my sixth newsletter on the paid <laughs> newsletter. We're up to 45 paid subscribers on the newsletter. And I've basically done no promotion since the first week. So I need to like start automating the promotion on that, but there's a little update there. That's kind of exciting. And overall, it's just been a good year. In the context of being a horrible year, it's been a good year at ConvertKit and for us, and I'm like really grateful for all the ways that it's been good despite the macro environment. So yeah, that's definitely an interesting thing. I was reflecting on the year as one does at the end of the year and realizing 
that it's been a really good year for like the challenges have changed me. I actually believe that I'm a different person now than I was a year ago. Just way more confident, way more sure of myself and being able to lead through. You know, you and I were talking about actually it was a conversation that we had at the end of last year, beginning of this year, about how like, yeah, we had never we we had never like led a company or even had substantial careers through a recession before, you know, like, and so many people have had that, right. They maybe started in 2000, 2003. And so by the time 2008 hit, they had like things on the line. I was just coming out of college then, you know, it's just starting to figure out like, okay, let's work. And so I didn't, I didn't encounter that. You know, I think you were in a pretty similar boat with the, the timing. And that's, it was just interesting that we were having that conversation at the beginning of the year. And now it's like, okay, not only did we lead through a once in a decade, once in a 15 years sort of economic kerfuffle, you know, it, it was it a full recession. Who knows? It, it was just, I don't even know what that, what this year was. Um, but we, we did it through a once in a century, you know, pandemic, which literally has not happened for a hundred 102 years. And so it's just, it's interesting. I have no idea what 2021 holds. I don't have this idea that like, Oh, 2020 was terrible. And magically at the calendar, start of the next calendar year, 2021 will be better somehow. I don't think that that's how things work, but I do feel more confident of like, okay, we got through that. So whatever comes next, I think we'll be okay. I agree. One of the biggest things I'm proud of this year, I know we kind of already did the review thing on Monday, but it's our show. We can do whatever we want. Reflecting more. This is my show. I do what I want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, the way that we have built the company and, and it's like majorly credit to you for the, the vision you've always had for um, building a lean team, which was like ahead of its time. It's growing in popularity now we didn't have to lay anyone off we didn't even think about laying anyone off this year and our now granted like our business is healthy we grew our revenue and everything this year but even if we had stayed flat from january to december in revenue we still would have had to lay no one off we would have been profitable we would have just cut other expenses that i am very proud of i am very excited that we will employ more people jan 1 2021 than we did january 1 2020 which is not true, obviously, for a lot of the economy. So I'm really excited about that part of it. Teddy, faithful Teddy, submitted a host of questions. We also got notes uh, by email from Noah. And then I actually, hold on, I got to look. Wendell. Wendell from Taiwan. Wendell from Taiwan. You don't ever get to watch live, but you have faithfully watched all year, apparently. It was I have to admit, I loved getting a, a email from Noah. I have spoken to Noah on the phone. Seeing Wendell's note though, and seeing that he had been listening all year from Taiwan and that he's a ConvertKit customer and that he was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I can't be there live, but I'm just as loyal as all the crew who's there live was so fun for me. I loved that. We're going to work in some of the favorite moments from the emails we got throughout today's episode. But in the meantime, it is classic Q&A. So, um, Drop your questions in the chat. We will get to them as we can. In the meantime, we will jump on a couple of Teddies. Uh, which one of Teddies do you want to start with? Um, let's talk about year in review process. Mm-hmm. How do what do we do individually? What do you do individually? Because we're we we handle it a little bit differently each. 
yeah, we are in fact separate humans, despite how it may seem on the internet. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's it's one of those goofy sort of days. I'm also getting a phone call. Why do people call me? Please stop. Um, <laughs> let's see. So I, it's a pretty simple process. I started doing urine reviews after reading Chris Gillibo and watching him do a couple of them. He has a whole process where he goes away. You know, he likes to do a trip around it. I haven't ever done that. I just try to, usually I'm at a coffee shop with my journal, writing these things down. And just, I start with just a simple retro. What went well, what didn't go well. And I write down some of those things. And then I go back and read my previous year in review. I like to get a little bit down on paper before I read the previous year, because I don't want to be too swayed by what me a year ago thought success looked like. I want to like get you know, current mindset down and then go back. And then it's interesting to look at the juxtaposition between those two. And so once I, once I get through what went well, what didn't go well, and then some of what I want to be different next year, then I go back, compare those notes and really look at what are the goals that I outlined and what progress did I make towards those? And then that usually fills in a lot more blanks. Um, but it's, it's pretty simple. I don't worry at all about length or anything like that. If I were to have like half a page about it, that's fine. If I have 10 pages about it, that's fine too. This is about like, this is for me. I just happen to publish it publicly as well, but it's not something I'm worried about. That's my process. What about you? I saw a tweet from, uh, I think he's a friend of yours. Actually, he's a product manager. He, he said yesterday, there's basically two types of people in the world. There's the people who try and squeeze in a few extra things before the end of the year. And there's the people who try and make themselves feel really good about all the things they've already done by the end of the year. (laughs) (laughs) And which one are you Barrett? (laughs) I I was like, I mean, I guess I would be in bucket two (laughs) because I do look back, but I don't, I don't like tell anyone about it. So I don't know. Anyways, I thought it was funny. Let's see. So my, my thing is I keep a, I could have grabbed it from upstairs if I had known. Um, but anyways, I keep a notebook in my bathroom because I'm, I know I will fill it in if I leave it in the bathroom versus if it's by the bed, I'll be like, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing this. Hmm. I set habits at the beginning of every year that I think will lead to long-term goals. And so that's things like, uh, work out 150 times across the year, which comes out to about three times a week or do date night every other week throughout the year and things like that. And so in my journal every night, I write down just generally what I did that day. And then I write a star next to the things that were habits that tracked to the ones I said at the beginning of the year. So the first thing I do in my review is I go through and I tally everything that was habit related. And then I also um, collate all the books that I read and I label them, you know, print, Kindle, audio, just so that I can kind of see the distribution I collate all the movies I watched, the TV I watched. And I like to just kind of see, like if I watched 25 seasons of television and I read 20 books, like those are probably correlated, for example. Inversely, in case anyone wasn't tracking. (laughs) You know, I write down like how much money did we save this year? How much money did we give? How, what was our total earnings? So that's like related to finance, but I have seven areas that I track. So it's uh, faith, relationships, career, finance, mental and physical health, and then like travel and adventure are my categories. And those, those are kind of how I break it down. And then I do a narrative of like, okay, so how do I feel about that? Basically, now that I've looked at realistically, what did I do throughout the year? So it's, it's like in a very minor way, data driven, I can at least look at what was reality. And then I go through and I say, how do I feel about 
what reality was throughout the year. I like it. That's good. I think whether you're doing something really simple or, you know, taking it and going into more detail, the important thing is that you do something, you, you know, you start there. Um, let's go to Noah's question and then let's do some favorite moments. You guys are obviously committed to making ConvertKit a force for good in the world, but my econ textbook says that firms try to maximize profits. What struggles, dilemmas, or difficult choices you face in trying to do business ethically? Well, the first thing to recognize is that most economists have never worked in a business in their lives, and it's probably safe to throw most econ textbooks out the window once you've read them once. Anyways, we won't go down that route. We'll go down yeah. to more of like what struggles. <laughs> what was actually asked? Ethically, right? <laughs> we get Barrett to step off of his soapbox and answer the question. <laughs> uh, I mean, so many. There's trade-offs and everything, right? It's expensive to run a business ethically. Let's say we wanted to sell the business tomorrow, for example, which would really just be like you wanting to sell a business tomorrow because really it's your decision. Profit sharing and the fact that we share profits with the team would be a major detractor from anyone wanting to yeah. acquire. They'd be like, well, that makes it worth less, obviously. Right. About 50% less. <laughs> right. So there's practical <laughs> things like that where taking care of the people in the company are at odds with like these selfish motivations as an owner of the business. Giving everyone on the team equity means you have less equity, which means long-term the business is worth less to you. So you have to get outside the mindset of this like purist mentality that a business's only job is to drive profits. I think of this in terms of stakeholder theory, which is just a, an alternative to shareholder theory, which says that you can balance the needs of owners, employees, customers, and the community or the environment, however you want to look at that. And you can consider each of those things in your decisions. Like just like optimizing for any one thing will take you in a direction that you probably don't want to go without a counterbalancing force, optimizing for multiple stakeholders and waiting, like waiting the amount of effort you put into each one is really valuable. And it just takes a little bit more nuance in your decision-making. And that's just kind of how we do it. And we embrace the trade-offs in it, I guess. Yeah. And I think it just comes down to what you're optimizing for. We are definitely optimizing for money as one of the factors, but it's, it's a proxy for impact, you know, and that's one of those things that if we were to settle for, you know, saying like, okay, the revenue that we're doing now, that's enough. We're satisfied with it and we're going to stay here. It would be really hard to scale impact. And so really we think of the revenue as a byproduct of the impact that we're having and the value that we're providing. And I think if you were to say like, oh, we're doing this as a nonprofit, as a charity, we might hold ourselves to less of a standard of like, oh, well, we're giving this away or there's not the same drive for quality, at least for our type of business. So yeah, it's just one of those things where not having the outside investors, not having that pressure, then we, at each point we can say, what's best for us, what's best for our team, and what's best for the community that we serve. You know, And then really that just helps having a long-term view. I think so many of these things, when people are like, no, you need profits. And we're not against profits at all. We love profits, but they're just taking a short-term view. It's like, stop looking at the next quarter and start looking at the next five years. And if you do that, you'll see that the thing that is going to make you the most money and the thing that's going to have the um, best impact in the world, like nine times out of 10 aligns. But it doesn't align when you're just looking three or six months out. But if you're looking five or 10 years out, they align. I mean, I think the gist is like, if we keep going on the path that we're on, assuming that we can continue our growth trajectory, everyone here is going to make plenty of money. The creator community is going to be much better off for it. 
we will have given away a lot of money over the course of that time. And you and I, I think will be really happy with what we've been able to do from a leadership standpoint. So I don't know if we give up some money in the process. I'm just like, I don't know what that extra money would have done for me at that yeah. point, I guess is kind of the gist of it. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Let's do some favorite moments from the show. We have a lot of them that people have shared. Um, first, okay, one of them, I just have to call it out. Wendell threw this in as his moment number two. And uh, he says, in one of the early episodes, there's an unknown guy who Zoom bombed in the show. It's hilarious. <laughs> okay, backstory time. Uh, I don't think we ever followed up on this afterwards. Maybe we did. I don't know. We've done a lot of episodes. So beginning of the pandemic, Zoom becomes uber popular. You know, I mean, they were already growing at a rapid clip, but this year they like grew 8,000% or something stupid like that. They came under a lot of heat for a lack of security features. And we had like just been talking about that recently. And we do an episode when we're on the air live and there's just a third person that pops in to the Zoom room. And we're both like, what is happening? <laughs> I think I pretty quickly was able to kick him out or whichever one of us was. Yeah. But we had this moment of like, one of us was mid-sentence as you tend to be on a podcast. <laughs> and we're just like, what is going on? And he, you know, it was like his screen was over here and his camera, like he didn't seem to be paying attention to us really. It was S. Halbert was his name. My favorite moment about this though came, I think it was, say that was a Monday or something. That Thursday, we get on our all-team call and one of our team members has changed, you know, has gone off video, set their background to be a photo of like that screenshot and set their username and everything. So I'm like looking at the grid as people are popping in. And then that S. Halbert pops into our Zoom and I'm like, what? What is going on? And they're like, I don't, I don't know what I masked over something. And I realized, oh, that's Dylan. That, <laughs> that's just Dylan on our team trolling us again. So it turns out it was one big prank and we thought it was an actual random guy like sitting there in his underwear or whatever. I think the first one was a random guy. I don't know. I thought it was Dylan. Okay, now I'm really confused. No, I think the first one was real and then Dylan was just trolling us afterwards to make sure that we could never forget. (laughs) Dylan being our lead designer on the product who's designed you know, the entire product that you all use. Okay. That makes more sense. Cause I swear I saw the guy like actually, yeah, no, he was moving and he, yeah, it was. All right. So there was a zoom bomber, but then we got trolled later by a teammate. All right. Well, now I know the real story. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. Wendell threw in another one, another favorite moment of, uh, definitely Barrett's transition jingles. You'll never know what's coming out. I mean, I agree. Like, how could it not be one of the great all-time features of any podcast, honestly? Do you... Okay, now that, you know, our role in this is coming to an end, I have questions. When you start a jingle, do you know what it's going to be and where it's going? Uh, (laughs) Okay. So you're as surprised as we are. Absolutely. I feel like we should get... uh, I feel like Adam and company... If, if they really want to be ambitious, could throw together a little jingle episode. It's just like a bonus episode, just all the jingles. <laughs> that would be pretty good. All right. So many jingles. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Wendell's third favorite moment, and then we're going to answer another question, was when Nathan moved to the new cabin he built by himself. I just got to say, okay, 
I bet Nathan read that and he was like, yeah, I did build a cabin. <laughs> That's right. You did build a thing on your own. I'm just going to say it's not a cabin. It's a tiny house. Okay. Yep. It's on a trailer and it's beautiful inside and everything. And you should get all the credit, but it's not a permanent cabin. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize that I had a mountain cabin purist as a co-host. <laughs> like you learn things all the time. Yeah. Okay. Barrett, it's not a cabin. It does have wood walls. That is a kind of a funny point that I feel like I've been working out of this for forever. But not only did I move into it this year, we started the show after I moved into this, which is weird to think about. It just goes to show how how long, you know, seven or eight months actually is. Totally. All right. What's the what's the next question? Um, I was just looking to see if Wendell had a question there. He just shared favorite moments. I love that. And didn't even ask anything of us. We got questions in the chat. No. Teddy's got another one. Let's do it. Advice you'd give. Imagine you're one of the musicians from Creator Sessions this year who's then became a ConvertKit customer. What would your roadmap be for growing your audience and earning a living using the platform? This is similar to the question Eric Holiday just asked, which is you are starting from scratch in 2021. What are three things you would do to build an audience and stay motiv- motivated if audience growth is slow? So maybe let's take Eric's and then add a music twist onto it. Cool. Um, I'm also going to put a little twist of, uh, Teddy asked about our side projects and just like what we have going on with those. So I'm going to use one of my side projects to answer this because it is in that position. I started a little site called farm closet.com. It's a sustainable fashion guide for men. Like my goal would be to, to be the most comprehensive place to go for sustainable fashion, buying advice for men on the web. And we have, we put out a sustainable fashion guide to fall, winter, 2020, 2021. And that's pretty much the only thing we've done so far. And we got 55, we actually got a hundred subscribers, but because we didn't set up a dedicated sending address, people were sketched out by the email we had that was delivering it. So only 55 of the hundred confirmed, but we now have 55 email subscribers. Our goal is by March 30th to have a thousand or else we'll consider shutting down the project for now, at least. Um, and so it gives us very clear, there's a date and there's a milestone that we're trying to hit to prove that there's enough traction to keep working on it, which is a thing that I learned way earlier in my career of like, give yourself a deadline and then hit the goal or don't. And that gives you a, a clear go, no go moment. So that's the first thing is I would set a go, no go moment because a lot of times mm-hmm. a lack of audience growth is often due to a, a lot of distraction and just a lack of focus. So that'd be my first tip. What's your, I'm going to jump in on the go, no go thing. It's really helpful to name that because what, what will really happen is you'll get close to it and realize, okay, you're a long ways away. Like the, often the version would be, you set that for a thousand subscribers. And by that point you're like 112. And in that case, you're like, well, why is that? I thought, again, we're all about logging your past thinking so you can refer back to it later. Um, so I thought I could be at a thousand. I'm not. Why, why is that? And you're asking questions like, have I given this every chance to succeed? Do I still want this um, as much now as I, as I did then? Or what happens is, I guess there is an option that you hit it and blow it out of the water and you're like, hell yes, let's go. I think more often, and this is what I've encountered before, is you get close to it and you don't actually hit it. So for example, with ConvertKit, when I decided to go all in on ConvertKit, we were $1,500 a month in revenue, had been at it for 20 months or so. And I was like, we're going to be six months from now, we're going to be at 10,000 MRR 
And that's how I'll know whether or not like to keep going on this. Like I'm going to go all in. And then if in six months we don't go from 1500 to 10,000, you know, then I'll shut it down. We did not hit 10,000 MRR in that time. I think we hit like 3,500. But in six months, I had more than doubled the MRR. It had momentum. And I was like, oh yeah, no, there's no way I'm shutting this down. And we kept going. And so it was one of those things where even though the, the specific number didn't matter, the milestone to check your thinking really did matter. And so that's one of those things I would imagine with Farm to Closet, you know, everyone always asks, okay, well, if you don't hit a thousand, let's say you're at 900, you're going to shut it down. No, because that shows that there's momentum and traction, just that you were a little bit too optimistic on the timeline. Totally. And, and I think what you're looking for is indicators that you're onto something along the way. So for example, putting the guide out, all I did was share a, tw- a thread on Twitter and that got all those email subscribers. Like that was the whole thing. And then one of our buddies who is in fashion shared it as well on Twitter. And that was it. That's the only promotion we've done so far. So that to me is a pretty good indicator that this is a thing that people would be interested in. The other thing I love about it is it's super lightweight compared to all the other stuff that we do. Um, yeah. Trying to build a software company, writing about growing a career. Like it's just fun and it's easy for people because everyone buys clothes. Um, everyone theoretically wants to be more, live more sustainably. And so it just hits right at the, the center of that. So I've got the first thing in place already that I've got enough interest off relatively low promotion that I have confidence to keep going. The second thing is it requires us to actually think about, well, what do we need to do over the next three months? So a couple of things we're going to be doing is one, putting out content that's designed for traffic. So like the 10 best white t-shirts, sustainable white t-shirts, for example, is it a listicle? Yes. Is that what people are searching for? Absolutely. And so we're just going to do it. And then the second thing that we're definitely going to do, in addition to having regular content is put out a spring guide because we saw that the fall winter one did well. And we know that we could re-up with a new one by then that could gain more subscribers. And then the last thing is we're going to put like 150 bucks into advertising to drive subscribers each month between now and then. And if you can get in the range of like a dollar a subscriber or something like that, then that's a substantial portion of the way to the goal. And it shows that there's something repeatable there if you can make some money from it. So I use a real example because sometimes theoretical stuff can be a little annoying. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. you're just talking in random ideas. And that's actually what we're going to do to see if we can get traction with an audience there. Yep. That makes sense. I guess if I pull in stuff from my side project as well, if I were to look at emails, email subscribers, my audience has been gradually shrinking because I let it go cold for so long. And then, you know, when you revive it, you're the traffic isn't there to keep driving the growth. And so then, you know, 50 or hundred unsubscribes per email makes it shrink. And actually this week is the first time that it has switched around to where it's growing. And the difference is one, the new podcast, the art of newsletters. And, you know, I only have one episode out with David Perel, but doing these clips every, every day that are going out, that's actually driving more subscribers. And so you can see, like I was getting three to five subscribers a day. And now I'm getting 20 to 30 subscribers a day from these clips, you know, on Twitter and social media. And so that's not going to like turn around the whole community, the whole, you know, newsletter growth, you know, by itself, but that stabilizes it. So the thing that I would say, you know, one of the three things would be to just keep creating consistently, knowing that you have to be putting that content out there and promoting it in order to get the results from it. Cause otherwise, yeah, the newsletter will keep shrinking, you know? There'll always be these people who are true fans, but other people will drop off and they do need to be replaced. And you get that replacement through consistent effort. Yep, for sure. From a music angle, 
so assuming you're like an early stage musician, I think was kind of the framing of the question. I think number one, creating consistently is right up there. And as much of a bummer as this is with streaming's popularity, frequent release of music is becoming more and more important for early stage people, like staying present with people that really breaks the creative process. You know, in a lot of ways, an album is more like a book than a blog, a series of blog posts. And we've seen this, we've talked about this, a lot of authors that we've loved over the years, once they got on that, like having to publish a book every year to maintain their contract thing, the density and value of the content of the books went down. Right. And the reason is you, you take longer and you live more life, you have more ideas and you can squeeze a lot more value into one thing because you can take five years of life experience and write 12 great songs or write 12 great chapters versus trying to come up with a, a book-worthy idea every year or an album-worthy uh, list of songs every year. So anyways, balancing that and understanding that as you're getting started, consistency does matter. You got to play a lot of shows to get in front of enough people. In terms of building email lists, which is, I think, number one, build an email list. Most musicians yeah. don't. And that's a major, it's a major setback for them later as they do start to grow in popularity. Uh, the second thing is I would do like living room concerts, just like creator sessions regularly to build my list, you know, put out your normal music, talk about your behind the scenes stuff on Instagram and wherever else, but then funnel everyone to like a monthly living room concert yeah, and ask for their email address in exchange for that. It's like the music version of a webinar basically. Yeah. And I think then you're looking for ways to package your story and make it unique. Like what's something that you do that other people don't, maybe it's uh, different instruments that you bring in. Um, maybe it's something of your background. Like if you were to look at your life, like a PR person would, what's that unique angle? And I don't have a way to tie this one to music, but I was talking to my friend, Brent Underwood, who I invested in ghost town with. And we were talking about, he's really good at PR. He and Ryan holiday have run this agency together for years and, and they're masters at this. And we were talking about what does it take for convert kit to get press? And it was like, okay, well, we work remotely that, you know, at the time that was interesting. Now everyone does it, but he's like, okay, software company works remotely. Not interesting. Like no one is going to write that story. And so just as an example, he pulled the ghost town into it and he's like, okay, software company opens office in 150 year old ghost town. There's a story and like, there's the headline and you actually make it about remote work and we can work from anywhere. And opening an office is just means that one of us was there for a few days, you know, or we had a board meeting or, you know, whatever it is. But that's what he said he's looking for all the time is he's like, yeah, of course you have this story about the growth of your company or the new music coming out or anything. Nobody cares. And he's looking for the twist that gives it a hook and makes it interesting. And then you just flow into the regular story. And so as a creator, as a musician, I would be looking for that. What is it that I do that's different? What is it about my story uh, my background, my upbringing, the adversity that I've overcome. Is there any way, anything that I can find to give it that twist? And then if you're able to write your own blog post or headline along those lines, that can work well. The other thing is doing something that like exposes the industry or like shows a behind the scenes process in some way. So one article that I wrote years ago when I had no traction was how I made $19,000 on the app store while learning to code. Right. Nobody cares about like making a little bit of money, but by adding that twist, you know, adding the specifics of the amount of money and getting into like, hey, I'm just getting started, then that was something really interesting. 
So always look for those angles and those little twists that you can put on it. Cause as a musician, you might have something where your music might not stand out, but a story about your music could, which would get people to pay attention to your music and get attraction. Yep. I love it. Okay. Share a couple moments that Noah compiled for us from the show. And then I'm going to share a win of his that he had this year as yes. a result of listening, which I thought was really awesome. I love it. Noah created an air table for us, including how he would describe the moments on the show with an adjective, the description of it and the episode it happened in. So we're going to run through a couple of these. The first That's one amazing. he put in was uh, from episode 74. A funny moment was when we talked about the fake human beings trying to scam us into hiring them onto the ConvertKit team. And, uh, and then we got into, I think the question was like about weird stories from hiring or something like that. We got into people like only addressing male interviewers. We also yes. got into the guy we interviewed in pajamas who kind of like half mooned us one time. There were a lot of stories there. That was a good moment. I agree. We have funny stuff happens when you run a company. Noah also touched on Schaubert, the Zoom yeah. bomber. So, yeah. you know, no one will ever forget that that was there for that. Uh, you'll I, have to, you'll have I'm to. I'm just going this. to screen share it for just a second it's for anyone tuning in with video so they can see this, <laughs> this spreadsheet because it's so good. I just love the fact that there is an Airtable sheet about this that includes the YouTube link because Barrett and I would never, would be like a Zoom bomber. That was uh, somewhere in the first 50 episodes, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just love that it's titled The Rise of Shalbert. Oh, man. Okay, what was the one you were going to go to? <laughs> well, I was going to let you highlight his third one. Oh. It's really about you. <laughs> but it's kind of a... Well, you just go hard. Okay. So uh, this is in episode 72. How much should you give away for free as a creator? It was a solo episode, and I was feeling particularly... Somewhere between lonely and abandoned. I don't know. Because Barrett was like, I'm going to take a vacation. And I was like, you can't. You can't ever take a vacation. You have to podcast with me. So I had to do a Barrett-style music transition. I, I'm a little scared to go back and rewatch that. It might be terrible. So, yeah, we'll check that out. Um, Noah does throw in an insightful one. At least we do a little bit of stuff that's insightful. Occasionally. Uh, and he talks about texting 10 people who'd be interested, you know, and, and reaching out when you create your content. Um, and diving into like really take control of the success. So instead of putting content out there and saying like, oh, here's this thing. I hope someone pays attention, seeking out people that should pay attention and texting them, inviting them, emailing them, saying, hey, I'm starting this thing. Will you sign up? And that's really, you know, actually, honestly, with the farm to table thing, if we if we go back to that and career capital and, and these other things, even uh, art of newsletters. We should be reaching out to people and thinking every week, okay, I'm not going to go crazy on the outreach, but who are five people that would enjoy this thing that I put out and reach out to them and say, hey, like, I hope you enjoy this. And uh, if you want to see more, sign up. For sure. As a little output of that, Noah said, after listening to episode number two, when we told everyone to text 10 people, he got his first 20 email subscribers. I just loved hearing that, that he, he went right out and put it into, into practice and it worked like, and, and that's why we give the advice. Cause that we have seen work repeatedly for people. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's answer another question. And then, uh, and then Teddy showed, shared a couple favorite moments too. And then we'll probably wrap up. Sounds good. Greziak, Gerziak, I'm sure I messed that name up, said, what would be the best option to advertise local tutoring on Facebook? 
should I ask people to message me or take them to the landing page? Okay, so super practical one. You're advertising on Facebook. Would you advise him to make the call to action messaging them or taking the visitor to a landing page to sign up? I would probably, I would test both because you're going to get different results from different types of people. There's going to be some people who are like, I just wanted to sign up, but I just want to see more, more details there. And other people who are like, look, let me just talk to you and see what, what does tutoring look like? You know, how are we going to go from there? I'm trying to think other things for local advertising. It's so interesting because you do have this local, you know, like we, you're like, I offer tutoring and then you're like, yes, but in Boise, Idaho or in Portland, Oregon, that, that changed the game. Honestly, if that's something I would do, I would look for existing communities. Like the first thing that came to mind is I would go to, uh, like there's big homeschooling groups in every city. And, you know, if you're not looking for them, you won't find them, but I'm sure that like they're on Facebook, they're on these other sites. I would go to a group like that where there's already people spending money, investing in their kids' education and they're needing services like that. And they all, you know, there is a Boise homeschooling group. There's probably five of them or more. And so I would look for the places where that local community already exists and try to plug yourself into that rather than trying to start by creating it from scratch. Uh, Cause that can be really, really difficult. Can't iterate, reiterate enough testing, anything with advertising. It's just test, 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 test until you get, you really want to see financial return. Right. And so you want to see your funnel built out to where I know if I pour in a hundred dollars to advertising, I'll make 150 from tutoring. So mm-hmm. that's ultimately what you want to test towards. And you do need to be ready to invest for a while on that. Like, uh, you know, maybe you spend three months uh, and you set a budget that you're willing to lose each month to test and realistically try and get to the point where you can drive revenue from it. Yep, for sure. Um, One other thing on that, if you're testing advertising, a lot of people stick with text and image-based ads because they're easy to create. And at least on Facebook, video ads will often perform a lot better and they're worth testing. So look for those... I mean, look for this everywhere in your creative business, but particularly look for the things that you're holding yourself back from doing because it's hard, right? For me, I can write more ad copy. I can, you know, design another graphic or something like that. I could keep doing that for a long time, but a video that requires like, okay, what's my setup going to be? I got to write a script. I got to, I have to do so many things and it's a new skill set. So people often shy away from that. And often it's the video ads that people find uh, that perform the best. Okay. Um, unless someone else submits a question to the chat, we're going to share one more moment from Teddy from the show. And then, well, you know, it comes next. Uh, Teddy says during quarantine, I got to feel what first time callers. <laughs> so the reference, right. Is long time listener, first time caller, which is this like classic radio line. Anyways, uh, I got to feel what first time callers felt when they, when they'd say that line on April 3rd, he remembers the date. Uh, I typed out a question to submit for a Q&A episode of the podcast, reached out to Barrett on Twitter and asked, what's the first thing you'd do after getting Zoom classes for current members set up if you owned a micro gym? I remember this question clearly. Um, It was fun to talk about that early on because gyms were completely shifting models. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyways, he had made it a goal of his to submit a question, like got butterflies submitting it. Time went by and then he, he got a little notification that I had liked the tweet. Newsflash. I have a decent number of followers, but I don't get nearly enough mentions not to like most of the tweets that mention <laughs> me. So anyway, so go talk to Barrett. I'm, not nearly, I'm not nearly as cool as you think I am. And he was like, oh, 
And he had worn his, his AirPods. I don't know where he was, but uh, he was kind of listening in. And when we said his name, he like hopped up, went out of the room, nervously listened and was able to hear the whole answer live with us. So that's pretty fun. Just kind of hearing the other side of the story when, when people ask questions and we get to answer them on the show. So it's great. The, it's the early one. crew, there's been an early crew that's been with us since the very, very beginning. We'll have to go back and, and look at some of the other, I remember some of the other faces, not all of the names of people who were always in the chat yeah. early on, but a lot of people have been with us all along. So yeah, it's good. Okay. Boop, boo, doo, doo. Do 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 creator of the day. You know that was. I, I'm not sure what adjective to use. Um, melodic. Yeah, it just it felt like. Um, you know, I had staying power. You know, it wasn't just like a quick little jingle. It was like you know, almost a way of saying goodbye in a jingle. I like that. All right, the creator I'm going with is someone that I believe we have featured at some point before but I'm so impressed with her that I'm going with it. And as Brandis Daniel, we have a new uh, video coming out with her. We actually just got to watch the rough cut of it. It's so good. I can't wait till we can share it with all of you. Um, but she is a fashion designer. She runs Harlem fashion row. She's done all kinds of great stuff. And if uh, I'll drop the link in the chat, but if you go to convertkit.com uh, slash creator stories, you can see her story here, her podcast episode, all of that. But just to look, and flip through some of these. She's done a lot of cool stuff, including uh, shoe design collaborations um, with uh, LeBron and so much cool stuff. So she's an amazing creator. Yeah, you just like basketball. What's sports? I don't. I don't know anything about those. Um, hey, you should be proud of me. This is way off topic, but I worked a Damian Lillard reference into a product pitch. So. There you go. <laughs> okay, quick moment on that. Y'all know we get distracted sometimes. Um, <laughs> in a football game the other day, the Oakland Ra- or the Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr goes up to the line and he's he's under center, so he's a quarterback, which means he's about to receive the ball from the line. And he looks to his left and doesn't an audible, and he says, "Richard Nixon, Damian Lillard," and then goes back under center. <laughs> And the Portland Trailblazers like retweeted the video of it from ESPN. And we're like, well, I guess we're going to have to name a play Derek Carr now. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Sports. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, it's so not universal. Anyways, um, my creators of the day are actually internal creators at ConvertKit. Throughout the year, uh, if you've listened in, you've heard us highlight a lot of the creators in the stories that we tell, in our creator sessions, um, in our documentaries. And uh, there's a whole crew of creators at ConvertKit who make those stories. So a few of them, Haley Janicek has done an incredible job pivoting her role this year to go from what was going to be in-person events to creator sessions. And it's become a staple of kind of who we are and who we want to be. Issa Adney has transitioned from, uh, she was originally a webinar producer at ConvertKit and went into this role to full-time tell stories. And, and we were skeptical at first. It was like, can that be a full-time role for us? And that has become a staple of who we are. She's just been a machine interviewing and writing stories. And then at the intersection of both of those is a, a guy named, a filmmaker named Henry Thong, who joined us this year on the team. He had been a contractor previously, and he does all of the video editing and video production work on the back end. And he's just been a fantastic addition that's been able to pump out a ton of content. And we're just getting started. Like when we can get back to in-person stuff, that whole crew working on the brand 
is going to be on fire because there's going to be so many more options available to them. And all of them working alongside uh, Charlie Pringley, who's our creative director now. She got promoted this year, uh, been a designer on the team for years and years now. And uh, I'm just really proud of that crew. Like I'm proud of the whole company. I could, I could do that for every team, but in terms of work that we've highlighted on this show, because it's so relevant to the listeners, uh, I think it's really important, you know, who's behind it. So anyways, those, those four or five creators, however many of them that I highlighted, um, shout out to them. They've done great work this year. Sounds good. All right. I have a book recommendation. A little something to read over the holidays. It is on wings of eagles. And I may have plugged this already, 97 episodes, you know, what are you going to do? But if you're looking for something that is, you know, true to history and also just a fun read over the holidays where it's not a business book or anything like that, uh, this is the story of a couple of businessmen in uh, working in Iran uh, who got arrested slash kidnapped and then uh, working for Ross Perot's company. And then the story of how they tried to get them out through diplomatic channels and then ultimately, they planned a whole bunch of stuff, but including a prison break, smuggling them overland into Turkey, getting them out. There's chartered planes. There's hired uh, like mercenaries and former special operations people. It is a crazy story. It really happened. And it's called On Wings of Eagles. Uh, and if you enjoyed Red Notice, you should read this next. Awesome. Awesome. I wish I had gotten a copy of it in time for today. However... My resource of the day is an upcoming release from the ConvertKit team. It is the second volume of our coffee table book that we produced however long ago called I Am a Blogger. This is called I Am a Creator. So it's kind of volume one of I Am a Creator, but we're going to stick to a similar binding pattern, but different colors. And our goal would be over the years that you could end up with a shelf of volumes of creator stories right next to each other in a variety of beautiful complementary colors. So that is coming to some kind of version that you can acquire near you uh, relatively soon in the new year. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on that. I'm sure the the team who's going to be hosting will uh, will promote it as well. But we're really excited about that. It's beautiful, amazing stories in there. So keep your eyes out. I think we did it. What's your we thought did. of the What's your thought of the day to close us out? Oh man, it's so much pressure. I got to come up with a thought of the day. I was just going to say thank you. You know, I've just, it's been a crazy year. Everything we've done has been spontaneous of trying to figure out what should be next. What's the best way to show up in this moment as a creator, as a family member, as uh, a company owner, you know, as a member of a community all throughout the year. And this whole cruise stuck with us, you know? And so I guess if we was looking for a thought of the day, something on that side, like looking forward, know that it's going to be hard. Like 2020 was hard. There will be elements of 2021 and everything else that will be hard. Hopefully not in the same way. Hopefully not on the same level. But just know that we have chosen, as creators, we have chosen a hard path. And just keep looking to that community. You guys have been our community through this. Hopefully we're now part of your community. And so just know that as you go forward, yeah, you've chosen a hard path. But look to those friends and family who can support you. Ask for help when you need it. And just know that Barrett and I are in your corner. If you have any question or anything like that, shoot us an email. We'll try to help. And uh, anyway, that's it for us on the show. It's coming back next year with uh, Haley, Charlie, and Miguel. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Please give them all the support and love. And we will be uh, around the show as well. So 
Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. And there's one last wave from Barrett Brooks to close you out. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time. Thank you.